If you have your Bible this morning, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Genesis chapter 22. Very, very important as we look at this part of Scripture, because again, once again, it reflects on who Jesus Christ is. Jesus said, search the Scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life, but they are which testify of me. I don't know really how any Jewish person can read the Torah where this part of Scripture is found and not see who Jesus Christ is. The Bible says that they are blinded. What blinds people to truth? It's called pride. And so as we look at this this morning, you're going to see some very amazing things concerning who Jesus Christ really is. And so before we read, let's pray and let's ask God to anoint his words. Father, as we go to your word today, we know that it was your Holy Spirit that inspired these writings. And so, God, we know that it takes your Holy Spirit for these words to come alive on this paper to go into our hearts and change our lives. And so we ask you to do that now. So, invisible Holy Spirit, please manifest yourself through your word. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, it came to pass... Chapter 22, verse 1. It came to pass that after these things that God tested Abraham. Now, it's interesting. The book of James says God doesn't test people. But really, when you understand the test is not to destroy something, the test is designed to make proof that it is what it is. Now, remember this. Before they put a pacemaker in somebody, they test it. The test is not designed to destroy the pacemaker. It's to make sure that if it's inserted into someone, that it will not fail. Now, there's a lot of things that we find in uh, tests for not only the person that is testing, but also for the individual as well. A lot of times we go, wow, I didn't think I would get through that. Have you ever said that concerning your relationship with God? Wow, I didn't think I'd make it. Well, God saw you through it. You passed the test. Well, now notice it says here that he said he tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. We find many times God audibly spoke to Abraham. And I believe this is one of the times where, again, Abraham, familiar with God's voice, heard him again. And he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. Now, it's interesting here in verse 2, you might want to underline this in your Bible. This is the first time the word love appears in the Bible. We're into chapter 22 of Genesis, and this is the first time the word love appears. And it's not the love of a mother towards her children or children towards their mother. It is where the Bible says there is a love of the father towards his son. Now, when one of the things you're going to see in chapter 22 here, it's completely reminiscent of Jesus Christ. For God, the father, so what? Loved the world. We remember that this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased when Jesus was baptized. We find the love of the father towards the son in the New Testament. Here we find it's a picture type of the love of the father towards Isaac. 
whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer in there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will tell you. Interestingly enough, historians tell us and geologists tell us that this is the same mountain where Jesus Christ was crucified, Mount Moriah. Now we're going to talk a little bit more as we go on here. It says, so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, And he split the wood for the burnt offering, arose and went to the place which God had told him. You'll notice a lot of the letters and here. Notice it says, So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and... By the way, if you were in an English class, you'd fail right now. But the idea is this all flows together. In the Hebrew, it is the picture of it all flowing together. And that is the same way it works when God sent his only begotten son to us. So he says, and on the third day, does the word third mean anything to anybody here? We remember on the third day, Jesus rose On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. Must have been from Texas. He's going to go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. If you like to underline things in your Bible, underline the word we. It's very important. Because of what we're going to see transpire here in the next few verses. So he says, I and the lad will come back. We will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. Remember, the wood was placed on Jesus's back. God put the wood on Jesus's back. Abraham put the wood on Isaac's back. These are really important because, again, as we look at this, we see a couple of things. This absolute parallel between Abraham and Isaac and the father and Jesus. So he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my my son. And he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And the two of them went together. Now, your Bibles, if you have a King James Bible, it'll say the word for in there. God will provide for himself a lamb. But it's not in the original Hebrew. That was added in by the translators. Uh, God will provide himself a sacrifice. Um, Doesn't say a sacrifice. It says God will provide himself a sacrifice. That's who Jesus is. 
God provided himself the sacrifice for the sins of all of us. God did something for you and me we could never do for ourselves. All our righteousness, the Bible says, is filthy rags. In other words, our attempt to reach God through us being good, through religion, selling flowers in airport, eating organically grown food, helping blind dogs across the street, uh, reciting churches, mantras, uh, all the different things that religion has us try to do to obtain the righteousness to approach God, the Bible says it's worthless. Oh, I wish the religions of the world would read this. Because you see, the problem is nothing that we do ever will get us to the point of being acceptable to God. You'll find oftentimes around the world, religions specify the different things you must do. You have to wear your undergarments. You have to glue a plastic Jesus to the dashboard of your car. You have to sell flowers in airports. You have to wear orange. You got all this religious junk out there. And the Bible says we will never in ourselves. There is no good thing, the Bible tells us, dwells in the flesh. So when we look at this, We find a couple of really, really important things. First of all, it is not within man to live righteously. You try it, you fail, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. That doesn't mean we should just abandon that and and not try at all. But what it means is that I don't approach God, you don't approach God, because of our stance, we approach God through Jesus Christ, the Father through Jesus Christ. And friends, that makes all the difference in the world. So he says, my God, it says, God will provide himself a lamb. If you have uh, your Bibles there, you might want to make a little X through the word for or the letter A or whatever. It is absolutely not in the original. It says God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And the two of them went together. Now, they came to the place which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Now, something we have to remember here, the Bible uses the word sometimes lad or his son or whatever. And we immediately picture somebody eight, ten years old. Uh, Isaac was probably somewhere between 22 or 25 and probably 35 years old at this point. So he wasn't a little kid. He could have easily overpowered his father. Pop, you went nuts. I'm going to jump you. What's going on here? But he trusted Abraham, his father. And so it says, laid him on the altar of wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife and to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven saying, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Do you see anything wrong with this? First of all, Abraham had a son called Ishmael with Hagar. But he said, I see you've withheld nothing, your only son. God did not regard the son of the bondwoman as Abraham's son. Isn't that interesting? 
that the works of the flesh never produce the righteousness of God. Now, there's a lot of things that we, as we look at this, we have to understand that there are reasons why God does what he does to bring us about to understand who he is. And one of those was this. He said, works of the flesh will never manifest the righteousness of God. So he says, I see that you withheld nothing from me, your only son. Then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went, took the ram, offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. This, the Lord will provide. His name is Jehovah Jireh. And remember, God is your provider. You have a name of God here that's important because it's one of the attributes of God. God provides what you need when you need it. The Bible says God will provide all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Now, the Bible does not say provide all my wants. I might want a lot of things, but I don't need a lot of things, okay? Like I said, I've been to yard sales. Anybody that's been to my house knows I got a lot of junk. Stuff I thought I needed, really didn't need. Been to yard sales, brand new things, never opened in the box at the yard sale. Well, if you needed it, it would have at least been out of the box and been used. There's a lot of things we think we need, but God, we want, but God is the only one that provides what we need. And so God will provide as it said, as it's, as it said to this day in the Mount of the Lord, shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called Abraham the second time out of heaven. And of course, this is Jesus Christ. And it says, by myself, I have sworn saying, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Again, uh, by the way, it appears three times so far in this chapter. One in the first couple of verses, it appears, uh, we just read, and then this right here, three times your only son. I, I think that's astounding. I don't know how somebody that's, uh, that's practicing Judaism can look at this and not see Jesus where Abraham places the wood on his son Isaac. The cross was placed on Jesus's back. I don't see how you can miss that. Jesus, again, search the scriptures there which testify of me. And in a blessing, I will bless you. Now, by the way, he says, because you've done this thing, in blessing, I will bless you and multiply. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. God honors obedience. Always remember that. Now again, not to prove that we're worthy, but God rewards obedience. To obey, the Bible says, is greater than to sacrifice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they went together to Beersheba and Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. Now, what is really weird here, Isaac disappears. Isaac's gone. You don't, you don't read about him for a number of chapters here. 
He's gone for a while. The next time after the attempted sacrifice of Isaac, the next time we find Isaac mentioned is getting his bride. Friends, that is so significant. Because after Jesus was offered up as our sacrifice, God, the Father, the Holy Spirit, has been looking for Jesus' bride, which I pray today that you are. You see, again, we've talked about this before. God put man in a perfect place, the Garden of Eden. The Bible said God saw it, saw that it was very good. No mention of evil, no mention of anything. I believe sometime between the creation of the earth God putting Adam in the garden and Eve in the garden. We don't know how many years there was between that time and the time they actually ate of the fruit. Again, I've shared this many times. A lot of people think, well, on the seventh day, God rested. On the eighth day, they ate of the the tree. On the ninth day, they got kicked out of the garden. No, no, the Bible doesn't say that. They could have been in the garden for a thousand years. We don't know how long they were in the garden before sin entered in. But I believe somewhere between the creation of God, God putting man in the garden, and the fall of Satan was after that. Because God said everything was very good. No place for a bad serpent to be in a good garden. But the Bible says this is what happened. And so we remember that the Bible says that God created man, you and me, a little lower than the angels. I don't believe that bothered Lucifer. I don't believe that bothered the angels in heaven, that there was going to be a new creation lower than the angels. But the Bible goes on and says that God then says, but those who love him, having never seen the face of God, having never seen his majesty, never seen his glory, God says, those that believe in me, I will elevate above the angels. And as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, someday humans will judge angels. I don't think that's set well with Lucifer. I don't think it's set well with some of the angels in heaven. Whatever it was, it was so monumentous that caused Satan to rebel, as we find in Isaiah 14, where the Bible says, pride filled Satan's heart. He said, I will ascend. I will be as the most I got. Satan had a real eye problem. And interestingly enough, a third, the Bible says, of the stars in heaven rebelled with Lucifer. What would be so monumentous that would cause the angels and Lucifer to rebel against God. I believe it's over human beings. And I see the, the, um, the terror that the demonic forces and Lucifer has instilled upon this world. The wars, the rumors of war, the pestilence, all the things that we see, these are direct works of Satan. And we see it. Satan has hated human beings since we were placed in the Garden of Eden. And I believe this is why when Satan's handiwork is turned on human beings, oh, for a little while they win, but then they lose. Satan knows how to trip you up. 
He's had 6,000 years experience observing you and how we as humans think. And whenever Satan gets involved in human beings' lives, there is always terror. There is always depression. There is always death. You'll never find it any different. Somebody asked one time, well, how do we know that when we as Christians are all in heaven someday, that we won't do something stupid like Satan did and revolt against God? It's because, the friends, the thing is, all of us know what revolting against God is. That's what we were like before we came to Christ. But when we come to Christ, the Bible says, all things pass away, behold, all things become new, and we're new creatures in Christ. That's why it's important to be. Jesus said, you must be born again, John chapter 3. It's not an option. Why does he say that? Because again, the thing is, Lucifer, the angels, never had seen rebellion against God. What happens if I cross the line with God? What happens if I say I'll be as the most high God? God kicked him out of heaven. Now, his access to heaven has not been completely revoked. It will be halfway through the tribulation period. That's why the Bible says he comes down to this earth during the middle of the tribulation. He knows his time is short. And you think Satan's wreaking havoc on human beings was bad before. It's full-blown on during the last half of the tribulation period. Why is that? Satan and the demons hate humans. I've had people say, well, I, I, I'm neutral. I'm neutral. I'm just neutral. I, I'm not on God's side. I'm not on the devil's side. I'm just a neutral person. I, Johnny Fence Rider. I guess the kid must have been born dense because he just keeps on riding the fence. Johnny Fence Rider. I don't care which side of the wall I fall on as long as I land on my feet. See, that's dangerous. Jesus said one thing important. He said, you're either for me or you're against me. There's no Johnny Fence Rider. This is one of the great problems that we find in the world today is because there is, there is an idea that, well, if I don't make the devil mad at me and if I don't make God mad at me, I, I, I'm going to cruise, man. No, look at the devil's handiwork in people's lives. Look at what happens to people when they get wrapped up into drugs or they get wrapped up into greed or they get wrapped up into power or they get grabbed up. They miss everything that this life is. They buy into a lie that lightning hit a swamp. You're just a cosmic accident. Just throw in a couple billion years, here you are. And when you're dead, you're gone. Dreadful sorry, Clementine. Is that the way it is? Or is there something more in this life than meets the eye? You see, the Bible says there is. The Bible tells us that you are unique and wonderfully made. This is one of the great problems that I've shared um, lately uh, about the difference between our form of government and the communist government. This is uh, so you understand the socialistic progressive movement that is sweeping America. And I pray that this wasn't our last 4th of July. I think the next election is going to determine that if we'll have at least four more 4th of Julys or this was the last one. But when you stop to think about it, um, communism 
has to have, there's some ingredients that go into communism, friends. One of them is that there is no God. Very important. This is one of the key fundamental foundational stones in communism, socialism, progressivism. There is no God. However, our founding fathers say that we were divinely created by a creator. Okay, we have a diametrically opposed idealism between two types of governments. One, there is no God. This is why evolution has been taught in our schools in America religiously for the last 80 years. Because in order to brainwash a nation, you have to convince people you are a cosmic accident. Lightning hit a swamp. A bunch of squiggly things started moving around. Pretty soon they grew fins, grew some legs. As they grew the fins, grew their legs, they decided, hey, I'm blowing this popsicle stand. They got out of the swamp, stood upright, shaved off all their hair, and became truck drivers. Yeah. See, communism says communal betterment for all. We're nothing more than ants. You're just another worker bee in the colony. You live your life. There is no heaven above us, no hell below us, above us, only sky. Have you heard that? I actually heard this past week. They want to replace the Star Spangled Banner with John Lennon's song, Imagine. I don't know whether these people have finally smoked enough dope that their brain is finally fried or whether they're just not thinking at all anymore about anything. But the idea that all you are is a cosmic accident, no life hereafter, you are no different than a baby seal. I'll club a seal to make a better deal. Well, here's the problem. See, this is why you can be arrested in California for touching, touching a condor egg, but... To kill a baby is okay. See, now all of a sudden you begin to understand how the idea of humanism has invaded our society, invaded our thinking. And my endeavor here as a pastor is to say, don't buy the chili. There, it's poison. There's something wrong with it. Here's why. Because again, communism, you have to have evolution. Very, very important. Because evolution speaks that there is no God. Again, cosmic accident. We, life started as a cosmic accident. It continues as a cosmic accident. And therefore, this is the basis for society. You are just a worker bee. Enjoy your stay here. You're not going to be here long. And somebody will replace you. And when you're dead, you're dead. Okay, that's what what the bottom line is. On the other hand, as our forefathers understood, and some of them were deists. Now, let me explain what a deist is for you. Some people say, well, Thomas Jefferson was a deist. They believed that there was a God, but this God does not get divinely entangled with his creation, okay? There is a God, but he's abstract, okay? You 
On the other hand, uh, you, you just do your thing. However, they do recognize, even a deist, that there is a supreme being, and that supreme being is the creator of all things. You are not an accident. You were created, okay? Why is that important? Because if you were created, you were created, and I know this is hard for many of us to believe, for a purpose. Now, you begin to understand the teachings of Jesus. When he said, when you pray, pray like this, or in this manner. This is a blueprint, not a a, a prayer to be mindlessly repeated until it no longer means anything. Now, a lot of people say, what what do you mean by that, Mike? Well, this. You can talk to your kids, you that have kids, and you can say, stop doing that, stop doing that, stop doing that. But if there's no enforcement in making them to stop doing it, the words stop doing it don't mean anything anymore. You ever notice that? Get away from the edge. Get away from the edge. You go out here by Shoshone Falls. Get away from the edge. Get away from the edge. And it just goes in one ear, out the other. It doesn't mean anything anymore. Our Father, which art in heaven, and be thy name. Our Father, which art in heaven, our Father, go, go say 25 of them. That's going to get you something in heaven. Yeah, you know, like, like uh, tickets at the county fair, you know. Ooh, I get to ride on the, the, the religious ride. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hail Mary, fill the grace of the Lord. Ah! That's religion. Get away from it. Christianity is a relationship with God, the creator who created you. And when you spend time with God, when you realize you were created by God, then you're going to pray like Jesus prayed, Our Father which art in heaven, praise your holy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you pray that, you are surrendering your purpose, your will to God's will. Why is that important? Because I'm no longer a cosmic accident. I was put on this planet for a reason, to be about my father's business. And so you find then that the idea of socialism, communism, is absolutely 100% opposite to that of you are divinely created by a creator. This is why the communists, the first thing they go after is the church. There's a reason why, friends. Because again, you can't have a group of people believing that you were created by a creator when they're saying you're nothing but cosmic sludge. And by the way, I don't know if you've ever noticed the way communist governments treat their people. They treat them like cosmic sludge. Mao Zedong, the communist supreme leader of China, murdered, they estimate, 50 million of his own people. 50 million. He wasn't killing Jews like Adolf Hitler, who was a German. No, Mao Zedong killed his own. But wait, it gets more. Joseph Stalin, 20 million Russians Stalin killed. He killed his own. Why is that? Look at Fidel Castro. The firing squads, and one of the books I read about about, uh, the the, uh, 
takeover of Fidel Castro in Cuba. They said the firing squads were going, they could hear the gunfire all night long. And they did this, they did this, friends, as a deterrent. In other words, you'd go to bed and all night long you'd hear the gunfire of those being executed there in the palace. Yes, yes, because you're cosmic sludge. You're defective, kill it. Defective, kill it. You won't come in line with the party. Well, friends, remember, this is what we're, we're facing now. Now, when you say you hear, we're getting, getting rid of all the police in America. How many people have heard that? Am I the only one? We're going to replace the cops in America with social workers. Skip to the loo, my darling. You think, really? But see, this goes back. You have to understand, the Bible says we must be born again. Why? By nature, we are wicked. We are, friends. But communism doesn't say that. They say the only reason you're bad is because you have been programmed bad. I had a friend, I went to church at um, Christian Chapel in Walnut, California years ago. And about that time, Charlie Manson had his gang out in the desert. A girl that was there at the church was part of Charlie Manson's gang. She'd become born again, and her son was one of the kids that Charlie Manson had locked in the box out in the desert. If anybody goes, flashback, you'll remember that. So his idea, Charlie Manson, was this. He was going to take this group of kids, never tell them no. (laughs) I just wonder about that. He had to be doing drugs. Um, Never tell your... know so that way they're never never negatively programmed then he was going to kill Sharon Tate and the others create a race war and when everybody had completely destroyed themselves he was going to merge out of the desert with his super children and start the new global race I was there I mean my friends were there firsthand okay so you look at that and you think, man, that is, that is absolutely insane to think that. Well, but that's the communist idea, that man is basically good with negative programming. That's why you have to be reprogrammed. That's why your children must be taught by government schools. No more homeschooling. No more charter schools, no more religious schools or or church schools. You have to be programmed by the state, and you'll be the good worker bee you're supposed to be. See, that's, that's the way they work. Well, when we understand how we're different, God has made us different. We are not like the animals. You'll never see a bunch of bunny rabbits. I, I, I live kind of out in the country. I've never seen a bunch of lizards all in a row and one lizard talking to all of them. I've never seen a bunch of bunny rabbits all out there, cottontails, and one bunny talking to all the other bunnies. Okay, we're going to make a raid on the garden. We're going to hit the carrots first. I never saw that. 
No, no. See, we're different. And when we understand that we are different than the animal creation, you're different than a condor egg. You're different than a spotted owl. You're different than all these things that they're saying are so important. Then we begin to understand that we were made by a creator. I say this because, again, the 5th of July, we somehow have seemed to have missed why we're a nation of people. Like I say, that I'm not saying our past in America is perfect, but it's sure a lot better than anybody else's. When you really look at it, 1933, Hitler uh, took it upon himself to fundamentally change Germany. You probably heard about the fundamentally change America. Well, he was going to fundamentally change Germany. And so in 1933, they cleaned out the libraries and burnt the books in the streets to erase German history to that point. Have you seen anybody tearing down our monuments? Have you seen anybody dissing on America lately? Seems like that's the new in vogue thing, man. You're cool. Well, I happen to have relatives, and I'm sure you do too, that died in the Second World War and the Korean War and Vietnam War to try to preserve some kind of freedom for people. Hey, you're not evolved sludge. You are created by God. See, this is the problem where we have missed this. And on this 4th of July weekend, as we look at this, we realize that God has a place for you. If you believe the lie of the world, that you're just, No heaven above us, no hell below us, above us only sky. If you bought into the John Lennon lie that is sweeping the world, you're being duped. It's what it's about, friends. It's reprogramming America. It's 1933. Tear down your statues, burn your books, burn your history. Listen, if you don't know where you have come from, you will never, ever know where you're going. Look at your life today. How do you know you're right with God? Well, I look where I was, and I look where I am, and I'm so glad I'm here rather than there. You think about all the things. You know the Bible says that? Remember the hole from which you were dug and the pit from which you were drawn. Why does it say that? Don't forget your past. Good, bad, indifferent. Don't forget your past. Did some of our forefathers do dumb things? Yeah, they did. Nothing compared to Mao Zedong. Nothing compared to Stalin. Nothing compared to Fidel Castro. Executing people by the literally millions. Why anybody would try to think that that's a good form of government is absolutely insane. Well, again... Abraham offers up Isaac, tries to. Isaac disappears, gone now. He doesn't appear till we get to chapter 24. In chapter 24, and we're going to get into this in a couple of weeks. In chapter 24, there's an unnamed servant. And, and being unnamed in the Bible is interesting. And Abraham says, don't take a wife from my child from the heathens here. You go back to my home country and find a wife for my son. 
And the Bible says the unnamed servant goes and says, Lord, the one that offers to water the camels is the one that you have picked for my master's son. Those who bring water are the ones, is the one whom you have. By the way, what does the Bible say when you're born again? Out of your belly comes rivers of living water. Do you know why rivers of living water come out of you? Because we're in a dry and thirsty land. You, you, you look, look today, people don't have any answers out there. You, well, I watch the news. Well, that's the first problem you've got. But they don't offer any answers. You, rivers of water, come out of you for a dry and thirsty people. That's what you do. And the Bible says, Rebecca comes up and says, can I water your camels? That's a weird thing. That was like an all-day job. That wasn't just, oh, here, here's a cup of water. Elion. <laughs> no, no. He, 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 he just says, I'll water your camels all day. Pulling the water up, pour it in the ditch, camels drinking. Pouring the water up, camels drinking all day long. And then he said, who are you? Where did you come from? And what's really amazing Would you go and marry my master's son? And having never seen Isaac, she says, I'll go marry him. You, having never seen Jesus, someone comes along and says, would you like to go marry the king's son? And the invisible Holy Spirit moved on your heart and you said, yeah, I've never seen heaven. I've never seen Jesus. I don't even know. I might be living in a tin shack. I don't know. But I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit, unnamed servant. I'm going to go with you. And you know what's really a funny thing? Picture type of the rapture. Here Rebecca comes on her horse. Comes back. And while he, she was a long way off, he jumped off. He, he was plowing. He ran and he kissed her. I look at that and I think, well, you know, God, that's the way you are with us. God kisses you this morning. I pray that you have a relationship with God. I pray you don't believe that you're a cosmic accident. Nothing more than a worker be in the line, just another, another, another ant in the line. But that you are gloriously and wonderfully made by God for a specific purpose. And oh, this morning that you would spend two minutes saying, God, I want to be your child. What do you want me to do for you? And then God, in his supernatural ways, begins to arrange your life. No more random happenstance. But now your life is divinely programmed by God. And even the bad things that you think are the things that God uses for his good in your life. Only God can do that. The things the devil meant for your harm, God says he turns them around and makes them for your good. That's a God bigger than the things wrong in your life. That's what you need. You don't find that in the world. You don't find that from self-realization or, or motivational speaking or self-realization. Uh, self you don't find that. 
But God supernaturally rearranges things in your life so you'll be where he wants you to be for that divine purpose. Always remember that. God's not forgotten you. If you're a Christian and you go, well, I've just had a lot of bad things. I don't know why those bad things happen, but I guarantee you that if they, I I look back in my life now. I always said, about the time a minister retires is when I want to hear what they got to say. I'm tired of all the uh, ideological sermons and the, and the, uh, uh, tell me what, what's the bottom line? And I look back in my life and there was things that happened to me by Christians. I would lay awake at night saying, God, these people are supposed to be called by your name and they act worse than people in the world. Why did you allow me to go through that? But if God had not allowed me to go through that to learn that lesson, the consequences later in my life when I was around another group of Christians who claimed that they loved God did something far worse, I knew how to handle it. Your life is not an accident. Those things that happen to you, the Bible says, give thanks in all things in Christ Jesus concerning you. I was in a church one time and the man said, you have to give thanks for all things uh, in Christ Jesus except the bad things. No, that's not what it says, pastor. It says all things. Because those things that seem to be a problem may be the very thing where God either wants to teach us move us, rearrange our thinking, or give us an education for further in life. I had a guy one time, I was out at Salmon Dam. We were in a boat, and I just ran into him out there. We were out there with our boat, and a guy that I knew here did uh, heating, air conditioning, and we were just there, and, and we were talking, and then kind of out of nowhere, he just broke down, kind of in tears, and he said, he said, I just been through hell, Mike. And, and, and these are the exact words. See, I, I don't mind telling you the truth because you guys are big people and you can handle it. He, he said, man, and I said, well, these things work together for, for your betterment. And he goes, Mike, listen. He said, if the things I have been through are preparing me for what's ahead, my God, what's ahead? I said, I don't know, but I know you're going to be prepared for it. Because I don't know. I don't know how God builds that into us. But I'll tell you something. You have a father that loves you. Again, this chapter 22. Look how far we're into the Bible. First time the word love appears. And it's the love between a father and his child. That's God's love for you. This morning, if you're distant from God, you've been playing on the wrong side of the fence. I don't want to offend God. I don't want to offend the devil. I'm Johnny Fencerat. Well, you know you're in dangerous water. If you're tired of it, we're going to pray. And you're just going to say, okay, God, I surrender my life to you. I I repent of the foolish way I've lived. It begins with the prayer, but God shows you your whole life, his goodness. Being about your father's business is so important. Now, somebody asked me one time, why was God? I always like this when people do this because it's like, God's the one on trial here, and I'm the judge. Why does God? They always will come up with different things like that. 
Why does God not do miracles today like he did in the Old Testament? Well, it depends on who you are. I've heard some very well popular radio preachers say, God's out of the miracle working business. Friends, that is a lie. Don't believe it. Why does God not do miracles like he did in the Old and the New Testament? Friends, it's because of this reason. Most of us don't live close enough to the edge to need a miracle. And if you need a miracle today, I got some good news for you. He does that. I don't know how he does it. I don't know. I always sometimes in my own mind try to figure out the way God's going to do it. Okay, God, I got this problem and I need some money and I just know that I'm going to drive out of the church parking lot and I'm going to find an envelope laying in the road and I'm going to open it up and it's going to be filled with $100 bills and that's going to answer my problem. Have you ever done that with God? You pray, ask God to do it, and then you tell him how to do it. God goes, I'm so glad you told me. I had never figured it out. God doesn't need my help. I just say, okay, God, you work this out. And if you're going through something right now, a bit of a sticky widget, great news. God's going to see you through. He's not forgotten. Remember, all things work together for good. To those who love God, that are called according to his purpose. Letting God be God, surrendering your life to him. God, I realize I was made by you. I'm not evolved sludge. And so now, what do you want me to do for you? That's becoming a Christian. Not going out and saying, well, you know, I don't do this and I don't do that. I I took 10 of the things I hated to do the most and 10 of the things I like to do the best and I switched them. Makes me a Christian. No. A lot of people think that. No, being a Christian is just saying, coming home to daddy and saying, Father, forgive me. I tried to do it on my own. (laughs) It doesn't work. And even if it does work, I'm not happy inside. There's something still missing. And I always refer back to Mick Jagger. Because he said in the 60s, I can't get no satisfaction if I tried. He's right. He's right. Do you know there's a lot of truth, a lot of lies too, but a lot of truth in rock and roll. ACDC. Highway to hell. You've heard the song. Led Zeppelin. Way to heaven. I guess they were anticipating the traffic on both roads. But anyway, the point is, even the world knows there's something more than meets the eye. And you can spend your whole life like communists and socialists and, and, and atheists trying to deny it. But you can't run, you can't hide from the hound of heaven. God will find you out. This morning, if you're tired of running, tired of making excuses, tired of climbing to the top only to find there ain't nothing there, we're going to pray right now. Turn your life over to Christ. Let him do something new in your life. Let's pray. Father, I surrender. I surrender. I surrender. I've lived it my way, and I'm wrong. From this day forward, I turn my life over to you. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. His blood covered my sins. I need a new start, and I need to do it your way. 
And so from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. And whatever time you've given me left, I want to be about your business, not mine. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me a love for the lost. Empower me to speak for you. And gifts you have for me. And thank you for eternal life. Writing my name in your book of life forever. Father, I trust you now with the rest of my life. Guide me each day in Jesus' name. Amen. You prayed that. Welcome to God's family. If you're listening by radio, listening by internet, same thing goes for you. Start reading your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Start reading the book of John. Start chapter 3 and just read. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. You want to acquaint yourself with your Father's voice in heaven. So that way when the devil comes along and goes, ah, you don't really want to do that, you're going to go, wow, that doesn't sound like Jesus' voice at all. Why? Because you've heard God's voice, his Holy Spirit, speak to you through his word. So another voice you won't obey. You've got to know God's word or it ain't going to help you. So read God's word. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Remember this. God wants to show you, reprogram us to think like he does so we don't overreact, underreact. We'll know how to react when the situations come in life. So do that. Read. Bible says to be baptized as soon as we can get through whatever this pandemic we're in. I don't know what it is. We'll be able to have a baptism. And then the Bible says to be in fellowship. Fellowship all the time. Be around Christians. Social distance, but still be around Christians. I'm always amazed when I see this stuff. (laughs) You have to have social distancing and a mask. True story. KTLA, Channel 5, were posted on Facebook to every man and answer. You can look at this. That masks are required. Social distancing is required. From Governor Newsom in California, Democratic liberal governor, says, but protests in the street are okay. Oh, you know they're going to follow the rules. And they wonder why they call a spike in the pandemic right now. Well, I don't think it's too hard to figure out. Personally, I don't, I, it's the way they're counting the COVID. If you go in for a hangnail, they go, oh, that's COVID. <laughs> you, know, you know, we had an earthquake. Oh, COVID. Global warming, COVID. Whatever it is, just blame that. And that makes the pandemic even worse. Try to destroy our economy, all that kind of stuff. Hey, listen, don't, somebody tried to call you. Um, Ask them why they're not in church. Um, Be about your father's business. He loves you. He loves you. Again, a father's love. Isaac doesn't appear again till a chapter later, two chapters later, when God gets him a wife. God is looking for Jesus Christ's bride. You are that. Be a water bearer, be a cup bearer, and bless others around you. You're going to be blessed in the long run. Father, for every person here, every person listening, may your Holy Spirit motivate us to be about your business. May you give us your wisdom that comes from you. Show us when to speak, when to be quiet. And Lord, may we have boldness that comes by your Holy Spirit as we walk in your love. 
for every person, especially that is here today, that chose to be here. They could have been many places on this holiday weekend. They chose to be here. May you bless them for their being here and let them know that it was for that reason. God, thank you for your many hands of blessings in our life. Father, keep us in Jesus' name. Amen.